Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Today, um, I'm super excited. We got an awesome little list of topics. Um, This is somebody that I'm really excited to get to know uh, for the first time right here on the pod. So please, welcome to the mic, everybody, Josie Ramone. Hey, Josie. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited to chat with you. I, I'm so excited to be here. And not to like call you out in the first few seconds of the but we've actually we have actually met before. Oh no. Once before. <laughs> not that. Anything but that. Was it at like an event? I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first, yeah. I yeah. I I am so bad with names and also the faces <laughs> that are attached to those names. <laughs> that's that's quite all right. I think there's actually, there might be a picture of it floating around somewhere. It was in the summertime. Oh, lovely. Oh, well, lovely to talk with you again. (laughs) You too. I'm so this person that like somebody, uh, like a client has said they've session with me before. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh, I don't recognize the name or the email, but okay. And then they show, and then they show up and I kind of expect to recognize their face. And I, and I still don't. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, I do not remember <laughs> <laughs> i i am actually like a little too good with names and faces like like for the most part they don't go away except for it seems uh with clients <laughs> which i have experienced like over the years the only time that i can remember like regularly being like oh i i don't remember meeting this person um is like a client will message like years later like uh okay years later years later is funny like Mm. come on how are you supposed to remember one face you did like an hour and a half session with them years ago years ago yeah uh like i i think i'm not in the wrong there (laughs) if it's recently i am i'll take accountability there but if it's years ago one session no yeah that's fair that's fair i feel like because my brain just like assumes that i am really good with these things it's like extra irritating to me regardless of the amount of time like i i remember every single not maybe not every single but i remember a significant percentage of all of the names and faces I've ever come across, and then, and then, like, wow. wait, this this one weird random context, really? I don't know. Wow. Well, I applaud you. I applaud you. That Thank that you. is me. She's not me. I don't know her. Um, <laughs> but just for people to fill them in, when we're yes. talking about clients here, they know by now what I'm talking about. What are you talking sure, about yeah. with clients? What do you do? Yeah. Um. I do lots of stuff <laughs> um <laughs> i uh, i actually started doing like full service escorting um 2013 before that i was doing strictly uh dom sessions um for a number of years 
um, in person and online. And then before that, um, strictly online and content creating and um, cam stuff, which is all respect to cam uh, performers because uh, it's a, it's brutal. It's, it's hard. Just, it's it so seems hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. Tell me like what's hard about it because like I've never done camming personally. I've done a lot of different online sex work, but like when people tell me just how much you're balancing in the moment and like I just mm-hmm. I'm like I could never. It sounds too hard. Like yeah. Oh, I mean, first of all, you know you have to be. Um, like on in front of your camera interacting at all times. Yeah. And so even if you, if you have like a, sometimes the way some of the websites are set up, you have like a little room, that's your room. So you're in your room and there's no one in there. Someone's going to come on and they're going to stick around for 30 seconds and be like, you look bored. Why are you so angry? Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah. And it's cause I mean, I have, I have resting. It's just, I am not ashamed um <laughs> people who know me in like social contexts are always surprised to hear this but i absolutely if you just see me walking down the street um someone recently said that i look like i'll, I'll knife a bitch and <laughs> and that is that is kind of true and i kind of like it because uh it keeps the riffraff away you know but yeah i don't mind that <laughs> yeah but when you're when you're doing cam work um you need to look bubbly and inviting and welcoming or sexy or you know whatever specific persona it is that you are portraying to your uh customers and even when there's no one in the room yeah and that is hard to do for hours at a time and then you have to put up with the like the bait and switch and the fakes like oh i'll give you money if you do this and it just it's just i find it i found it exhausting how many hours, like, would you, you know, if you're like, I'm on camp tonight, how many hours would you be on for? Um, if you're having a good day, I could just go for hours and hours, like five hours, probably at my most, because I am a princess and I like to sleep lots. Um, <laughs> but, um, but if you're having a bad day, you could be on for like 20 minutes and just like, you know, Fuck F this. this, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I I can't say I can't swear. I don't have to worry. Um. <laughs> fuck. You never know. Swear fuck away. this. I'm done with this. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Tough stuff. So, so uh, from mm. camming into into domination stuff, you yeah. said. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Pi- what did that pipeline look like? Uh, I actually interviewed with Dungeon that I won't name. Um and because I was looking for other ways to, to earn some income, to, you know, interact within the community in a way that felt more satisfying than canning. Um, and then a friend of mine was like, no, no, I know a space that you can use. Um, and that was it. I started using that space, found other spaces to use, sort of interacting with people in the kink community, um, more about like developing my skills as a dom. Um, and was really lucky at the time to be connected with folks that were interested in um, helping me develop and and build um, build you know my tools and skills. Um, I love that for you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really lovely. I mean, life is you know life. Um, things go up and down, and things change. And I put that stuff on hold for a little while. Um, dealt with my life, 
came back and decided that like um because at the time when I started doing Dom stuff it was like no genital contact not no real contact with my genitals was my my um boundary um and my my brain my thought process was just kind of like well why I mean you do it properly right properly you do it safer safely um what's the problem why not and that was when I decided to start doing um full service escorting yeah which I have now been doing for over 10 years amazing so do you um still do like uh kink work in your full service work like is it a yeah yeah um I love to hear that because I think there is that um you know, the, there is that idea of like the dominatrix being untouchable, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's like you know a lot of tones of like horophobia in there yeah. when doms yeah. kind of you know talk on platitudes of being like you know uh, like the pick me attitude of being like I'm not yeah. like other girls, no. um, I'm not like them, yeah, and putting me themselves up on a pedestal. Um, and like, well, you know, that's fine for the mm-hmm. persona, I guess. And like doing that as a fantasy thing, the reality yeah. of it, it has got to be grounded, um, in community. And, um, absolutely. so I love, uh, to hear that doms who are also doing like, um, erotic work, sensual work, sexual work, um, yeah. as well, because it's like, yeah, of course you can. And there's nothing fucking wrong with that. Um, and there's so much demand for that. And like, if that's kind of the avenue you want to go, it's such a cool, yeah, why not? And it's such an awesome avenue that opens up so much more kink stuff that you can do. And like, yeah, so thanks for coming on and and talking about that. Because I I feel like most people that don't know about it don't realize that that's an option, you know? Yeah. and, And I think that like, um, I'm, I mean, I will admit for sure when I first started doing it, that like, uh, that was a boundary for me because I did buy into some of that to some degree, like not to not like, you know, escorts are less than me, but just that like somehow this is what I'm more comfortable with this. These are the barriers I want to set because I don't want to be like that kind of a sex worker. Um, Yeah. It's like, the it's the thing of like what informs your preferences. Right. And sometimes it's bias like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, and then sort of experiencing situations where I was in a place where I needed to do survival work, which I have done on and off mm-hmm. for uh, half my life at this point, ultimately. Um, I'm realizing that, like, first of all, I'm actually cutting myself off from income. a fair amount of income. Yeah, like, there's just so much more that I could experience if I didn't. Um, and second of all, like, even if there's no general content, genital contact like however i am laboring i am laboring with my body and if i'm going to look down on other people for including their genitals in that labor Mm -hmm. then then i'm not any better than the people who look down on on all sex works sex workers regardless of what form of sex work they enact right so so it's like and why not you can't kid yourself also like it's it's all sexual you know like even if you're a a dom that's not using your genitals and yes i'm saying you know that 
there are lots of reasons someone wants to book a session and some mm-hmm. people are non-sexual reasons or non-erotic reasons, yeah. but mostly they are. Like most people that yeah. book are looking to get off, right? Like in some way. Yeah. So it's like that denial to me that like, uh, you know, that contradictory thing of like, well, yeah, you're you're not having your genitals engaged, but like, um, you can't say it's not sexual, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and at this point, like, I, I love the, the space to create and do whatever I want. And to be fair, like, I engage in, like, non-sexual interactions with the strictly vanilla, like, strictly escorting client um, just as often as I engage in sexual interactions with the strictly BDSM uh, guest clients, whatever kind of language you want to use. Um, so so like the the difference to me is is at this point completely meaningless because um sexuality and you know intercourse is such a vague expansive word that like yeah what is sex anyways it's all sex it's not like yeah yeah i agree it's so it's this broad broad term right um yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like people can label themselves however they want to label themselves with their work. If they consider themselves mm-hmm. a sex worker, don't consider themselves a sex worker. Like, fine, do whatever you want. But for me, I'm like, it's very important for me to identify as a sex worker, even though most of my work is not engaging my genitals either. Yeah. Um, and I do other, other, I do full service as well. Um, mm-hmm. Not, uh, that's not the majority of my income, but I absolutely do. Um, sure. Yeah. So. I, I think it's very important for me personally to identify that way. Definitely. And I think that like, even if you don't want to necessarily use the word sex worker, it's important that um, that we all understand that we're still part of the same community. Even if you have like your own special word for who you are, that's, that's fine. Uh, as long as it doesn't demean or harm people who are doing other kinds of, of, whatever you might call actual sex work right like yeah. we're all one big community and we all meet in the same in the middle of the same venn diagram where we're dealing with stigma and taboo and criminalization and all of that so yes so that yeah that's the most important part is supporting each other right yeah absolutely um you said you had been um You've been doing this for a while. Seems like how long have you been mm. doing this? Yeah. If you're thinking way back, way back, it's it's about eighteen, nineteen years, wow. off and on. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. What's the key to longevity in this business? <laughs> um, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Surely, like any job, right? Uh, yeah, the the <laughs> extremely broken. Uh, labor mark <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah i just i i think me uh as a person that deals with non-visible disability and neurodivergence and um and like actively just did not know what i wanted to do i was uh, i was working full-time by my by 17 i was uh out on my own completely by 19 um, so there was a real need to, um, make an income <laughs> really badly, um, and, and not have much in the way of family support. 
without it. So uh, it was sort of just sort of like, well, you know, some folks can work five minimum wage jobs and survive and like be able to move at the end of the day and I can't so how do I figure it out um and then and then I started doing it and I was like oh wait shit this is fun excuse me um I like this this is uh like catering to all the best parts of any of the service jobs that I had experienced um without it being like actively awful at the same time (laughs) because I really like I really liked interacting. Yeah. I really (laughs) liked interacting with new people and I really liked um providing uh a level of emotional labor and um and how you see that impact other people. And I've actually I've said this I've been saying this for years. My first job was at a Starbucks. Um and then I've been working coffee is one of the other things that I have done most um in terms of work and i feel like being a sex worker is not any different than being a barista because a cup of coffee every day can make a good day amazing can make a bad day better it has a like emotional and physical response that people need on a regular basis and when you provide it for them they love you love they appreciate you pleasure chemicals yes, yes <laughs> are exactly. happening in their brains exactly. yes all of those pleasure chemicals are happening in the brain and um that is pretty much what happens as a sex worker so i just that's the thing that i enjoy most it's yeah. not that far away i agree mm-hmm. like i i've worked in i've worked in service like um like food service my whole sure. adult yeah. life before my sex work life um, as mm. well. And, and it's, I mean, it's all customer service, isn't it? That's yeah. all always yeah. how I see it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, I think, you know, that might be a bit wild of an idea for folks who are not sex workers, oh, but yeah. it really is. It's, it's very much customer service, like anything else. You mm-hmm. provide a thing to make the person happy, ideally, you know, mm-hmm. you get a nice reaction, you feel good about the interaction too. Mm-hmm. And God bless. Have a blessed day. Exactly. And, and, you know, you can pay your bills and buy groceries and all of that wonderful stuff, too. Yeah, it's a normal job, like, you know, quote, unquote, normal Mm -hmm. job, like anything else, pays the bills, does the trick. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so why not? So, so this thing, um, for you, again, looping back to longevity, it's that it works with your disability stuff. It's -hmm. something you genuinely like. Mm hmm. And it pays the bills. So yeah, what more do you need in a job? I mean, personally, I I want to um, I want to live to live. I don't want to work to live. You know, um, and uh, even when business is kind of slow, cause it has been a little bit slow recently. Um, yeah, it can uh, be. It's still yeah, it still provides the ability to have my own life and um. Okay, we'll do this. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it openly. I mean, I have talked about it online before, but as a, a multiple cancer survivor, um, I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing something that doesn't fulfill me. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't want to mm-hmm. manage, uh, you know, service industry. I know the thing that I want to do full time 
long term um, and I'm working towards that goal and at this point that's what sex work is for me is to it's helping me work towards the goal of um the dream job so okay yeah, yeah. meets to an end I think that's yeah. um thank you for for sharing that um and yeah as far as that's concerned I think that's uh that's a really common reason for people to get into sex work, not only sex work, but any job, right? Yeah. You're working to save up for something or you're working to like, it's a stepping stone for this other thing. Like that's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, obviously yeah. either. Like anyone would work their way through college. Like anyone would, you know, any of those yeah. kind of financial goals or life goals as far as career goes. So. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes sense. Serving the purpose. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it does it well, pretty well, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, since you've been in this industry so long, one of the questions people ask me is like, have you noticed a change in the sex work community? Mm-hmm. Because if we're talking about almost 20 years, a better part of 20 years, it's like a lot has changed about life. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Um the the words you use what what has changed about life because it it seems like um what has changed about life in general has really sort of also um, moved the way sex work has changed along if that makes sense like um when I started you know we had the internet it was fairly new we had Craigslist we had Backpage um there are a couple other options that were cheap. <laughs> very inexpensive if you had to pay for them, some of them completely free. Um, and, and you just, it was a very, very small community. Um, and this is somewhat before Twitter or the explosion of social media. Um, and so that was it. You were sort of somewhat isolated unless you knew people in real life who were also doing this, um, and, and you just, you know, you posted on Craigslist, you answered your phone calls or your text messages or your emails. And, and that was really kind of it, which I, I look back and how easy it was. And yet how still compared to how we do things now, how risky it was. Um, and then you start seeing like review boards and these things. And so the community starts to grow and then Twitter starts to become a thing. Community starts to grow. But what I find what I find is that community is also something that has a very different meaning to each individual. Um, and, you know, back when I started, you know, you had your like hooker mamas or aunties who, who would help you figure out what you want to do, how to do it, how, teach you how to be safe, teach you how to do the little bit of screening that we did back then, um, where to find the right uh, people to work with or the right clients, where, you know, if you're doing street-based work, street-based work, which I have very little experience, I'm not going to talk a lot about, um, where's the best place to do that kind of thing and to keep each other safe, to be supportive and the more online sex work gets um the less there is of that to today you see people like a hundred dollars to be your mentor five hundred dollars to be your mentor i'll teach you how to do 
screening and admin and booking and all this stuff. It's like, I don't, that's, that's quite a, a shift. I mean, however you survive under capitalism, that's, that I won't judge, but we used to have us old ladies <laughs> used to have, <laughs> um, community, this kind of community for free. There, it wasn't behind a paywall. It was, um, all looking out for each other and keeping each other safe. Um, so I, I think that's like kind of how society in general has sort of moved is sort of this idea that like monetizing. Uh, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Which I mean, you, yeah, you really need to do, which like, that's totally fair. I'm, I'm not necessarily judging. I don't love it, but I'm, I'm not looking down on, on people who are going to work that way. Um, because it's absolutely true. It's, a hustle culture it's a gig economy it's whatever you want to call it it's necessary to um it's also you know we're in toronto we're in one of the most expensive cities in all of north america i think it's like top four or something um so yeah do what you gotta do yeah yeah and at the same time like how do we create the community recreate the community that we once had and um build safer ways to do things with the resources that we have now right with the fact that um because again another big change is that we're losing options online to communicate we're losing options online to to find uh clients we're losing bank accounts and um access to, you know, payment processors or other ways to, to accept money. Um, and at the same time, um, still being criminalized. And it seems that like governments are actively working to find new and different ways to criminalize us um, while gaslighting us and telling us that we're not being criminalized, right? Especially like, whole nordic model that we have here right oh but you're you're not the criminals so you don't have to worry like well we can't technically under your laws screen we can't technically work together we can't technically have someone drive us to and from our calls like these these are all feeling like pretty criminalized you know yeah we can't work anywhere Mm -hmm. any physical space and yeah and we can't actually you know pay our rent and buy our groceries with the money that we earned mm-hmm. technically right mm-hmm. so um so yeah i think that like as things have moved sort of societally to where we are now um i think that there has been a sort of shift to less of a interpersonal kind of community based model, right? Like, I I think that like, we don't trust the way we used to. Um, And we don't trust people outside of the community. And we don't trust people inside of the community the way we used to. I think that's the biggest change that I have seen. Yeah. Yeah, that all makes perfect sense. Is there anything (laughs) that you think maybe has changed in a positive way? Yeah, that sounded all pretty, that sounded all pretty (laughs) negative, didn't it? Um, Yes, absolutely. I mean, fair, fair assessment of the situation. Absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think that like when you see new people, they do have a better understanding of what they're getting into. I think that like there are definitely people out there that sort of understand. Uh, there are definitely people out there who understand how these shifts have, have been um, happening and are trying actively to work against that. I think that um, there are, we have a louder voice um, in terms of, you know, the media and on and on social media and um, talking about our own issues. Um, and, and so I think that not just like sex workers in general are more not informed, not just about sex work, um, but about all of the things that surround it. And, um, and so there is definitely people out there doing really good work and they absolutely should be recognized. Um, and, um, and it, it, like, there are also way more people out there, like making their money, <laughs> which is perfect, like wonderful, good for them because, uh, you used to not be able to really see that the way yeah. things were. Do you think so. it's more accessible or more inclusive for these reasons? Um, yeah, absolutely. I do. I think that, um, that there are definitely, as I said, more informed people coming into this industry and, um, and there's more of a voice, um, because, you know, back when I started, right, like it, it was almost exclusively, if you heard anybody's voice, it was the, the, um, cisgendered, uh, typically pretty type white indoor worker whose voice that you could hear. Um, and now uh, it's at, like you can actively search other voices. You can actively hear other voices. There are other voices being platformed. Um, and, and sometimes even we know when it's not our place to speak, you know, right? So I think that that's one of the biggest, most important changes that we have seen and probably should have come before my negative, but whatever, um, <laughs> is that, <laughs> um, is that for sure, uh, the industry looks very different than it used to. And, um, and there are spaces, uh, taken which should be taken by voices that are something other than the only voices you used to hear the bedpost podcast is sponsored by come as you are founded as a worker-owned cooperative come as you are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure health and education Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com, 
But one of my favorite things to do is to go to their Instagram events page and see what they've got going on. Threesome Fridays, Buy Pleasure Party, A Night with the Theme Little Black Dress, and Fetish Fantasy, hosted by Empress. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. This is one of our talking points. Um, We have Mm. written here, what does a truly inclusive community look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it sort of ties into one of the other talking points, but we'll see if we get there. Um, and that is a community. These are things that I wrote down because these are the things I really wanted to sort of address, um, from where I can address them again as a, a white appearing, um, indoor worker. Um, but the things that as a community we need to focus on, um, for more inclusivity, uh, specifically are, um, anti-racism harm reduction, right? Um, trauma-informed work, like everything that we do, especially when interacting with each other as community, um, we should all be uh, more educated on trauma-informed just interactions in general and all of the various ways that being trauma-informed um, can influence how we organize and, and how we interact. Um, and then there's one that, that like, is sort of, uh, less obvious and that is the concepts of bystander intervention. Um, like how do we, uh, address what we witness and, um, and help to ensure that, you know, people aren't harmed or if they're harmed, they're, um, they're supported and, you know, not having to deal with experiences of like abuse and gaslighting and all of that. Um, and then, and then concepts of restorative justice as well in how we deal with, because we've seen it, we see it all the time, right? Like people online will do something and, um, and it harms people. And how do we, um, allow space for them to, to learn, to own their mistakes if they're willing to, to do the work to show that they understand that they've caused harm and and they want to work towards um, forgiveness um, and then provide space if they can prove all that to work towards forgiveness. Um, and, And so I think that like, these concepts are all things that within outreach spaces and um, mental health spaces and, uh, you know, all the sort of like um, supports surrounding sex work. They're all concepts that are kind of how they do everything. And I think that as a community, um, we need to sort of pull these into how we interact uh, more on a perhaps social or interpersonal level um, than just sort of, oh, well, that's like, those are the things for, you know, the the support workers or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think something, if we're talking about something that's different now than it used to be is cancel culture, right? Which, like, is 
is another one of those terms that like kind of, I mean, cancel culture is, is uh, demonizing a concept that should have been good, but was taken out of its context and used in, in negative ways, right? Like we, we see this a lot with like, um, with language, uh, like when we talk about abuse and like feminism, like all of these sort of catch words, catchphrases that um, start being used to harm and control. Um, I think that calling in, which is the sort of like the newer language, which is not that new, I suppose, um, is a wonderful thing because again, it provides that opportunity to address to keep other people safe, to how help someone um, work towards being a better person. Ultimately, that's really the goal. Um, and yet we still have that sort of idea, right? Like cancel culture is, oh, well, you're canceling me, you're harming me, you're attacking me or whatever. And that's, um, that's something that with harm reduction and bystander intervention and restorative justice, um, you can't like you just can't see it doesn't happen because it doesn't have space to to develop so so how can we as like um you know if you're a sex worker no mm -hmm. matter what kind how can you better like call in and you know hold each other accountable and keep each other safe kind of in a graceful yeah. way how can we begin to do that i think that for the i think the first part really is to um educate ourselves on how on on the sort of like the difference between calling people in and and calling people out or being abusive right like there's they're all really subtle nuanced issues um and so i, I think we all sort of need to to do a better job at, at seeing the difference and being able to um to work in those different kind of ways. I think that um, something that we don't do enough of is allow someone to do wrong without anger, right? You know, this person, they messed up, they did something wrong. Um, we need to address the wrong that they did for whoever they harmed and what that person needs but we also need to give them the space to, to learn and to show that they want to do better because, because you can't do better if you're not given that opportunity. And, I, and I'm not saying that like we should hold a, like an abuser or someone who has harmed above um, their victims. What I'm saying is that like we shouldn't actively cause them harm as well you know, and canceling or calling out tends to focus on that more than anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I think also that like, we just all need to be in general kinder to ourselves. Shit happens. People mess up. We have all done it and we can't get to a place where we are being accountable for our, ourselves and um, the way I, the, the thing that I, and I'm, I'm not gonna be able to describe all seven steps, but the thing that I, that I kind of try to focus my own 
work on is a Jewish concept called Teshuva, which is uh, seven steps of um, forgiveness and repair. And I can probably actually explain more because I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Um, there's actually a really great book um, by uh, Rabbi Dania Rutenberg, um, who is amazing. She's on Twitter. She's very sex worker positive. Um, I, I adore her work. Um, she, yeah, she's written about this a number of times. And, and I, I just think that like, if you're interested in these concepts, um, Rabbi Dania Rutenberg, again, amazing. Um, okay, so, so Teshuva essentially means repentance. We're going to do, um, because it's um, not giving me the, the seven Hebrew and translations, we're going to do a sort of like condensed English version. So, version. so uh, my personal work and how I interact with others and within community um, is based on the concept of Teshuva, which means to return or to repent. Um, and the four basic steps are so leaving uh leaving the harm expressing regret confessing and acceptance for the future um so it so first would be um either by my myself or in supporting other people um to acknowledge that like harm was caused and that moving forward, this is not how you're going to do things. You're going to leave that harm, those actions um, behind. Um, then sincerely expressing regret of one's actions, acknowledging how that harm has impacted others. Um, and, uh, and then to speak out loud directly not just to maybe the person you've harmed but to other people um that this has been done um and then to accept whatever is needed by whoever been has been harmed um to move forward um and and to to leave it behind or to you know find a better place in the future um and and I think that like these kinds of concepts, um, they just, they aren't things that people know a lot about. Like they, they aren't discussed very often. And we just sort of leave it to these catch words, these phrases that we recognize, um, but don't really understand, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's so important. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So moving on to our next talking point. I think this might be a good segue, incorporating mm -hmm. spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> into sexuality and kinky play. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think that like anyone who knows me online knows that I'm pretty open about um, both uh, my Jewishness and my witchiness, um, to be concise. Um, straight up Jewish, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which like, like is actually a pretty common concept. You can find a lot of information online. And I think that's really beautiful that um, somewhere early in the internet, a bunch of like, wooey Jewish kids were like, wait a minute, these things work really well together. Let's build community. Um, it's just lovely. Um, but yeah, I think that like, 
I don't want to get into like concepts of like sacred sex and um you know sex magic or sexual priestesses because if that's your thing that's really beautiful and actually um uh Sharzad did a uh a workshop years ago uh, about priestess sexual culture magic. which was yeah yeah, yeah. which was really lovely and I like ate up every second of it it was great um that's not necessarily where I'm going specifically um my my opinion is that like our spirituality um is a part of who we are as human beings we are physical and spiritual beings and um therefore uh is a part of everything that we do and, you know, you could be that super wooey kid who is, like, going to go and have, I'm, this is not me necessarily, every morning on my balcony, sit outside and have my coffee and just be at one. I mean, I'm I'm in the city, so at one with the pollution and the noise and the whatever. But, at one with the buildings, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, it, but, at, at, but just at peace and in the moment, you know, I think that... Um, including spirituality in our sexuality can be as simple as just being in the moment and taking the time to uh to be present if meditating is what works for you then maybe some a little bit of meditating for a few minutes before you get going um just really in the body and um at peace um because then then shit gets real shit gets real good <laughs> um <laughs> and you want to be there for it you don't want to miss it yeah so yeah let's take a moment to center yeah, yeah that's interesting i do a bit of grounding at the beginning of every pro session i do with, uh, with mm -hmm. the client um especially if i feel like they're a bit you know nervous and unsettled or mm -hmm. unfocused and like just yeah. to take a moment to like center them and yeah. I and I don't know if I've ever really thought of that as a spiritual practice, I, but it's true. Like just that the act of being present, the act of being in your body, um, mm -hmm. yeah, and accessing your body's energy and, and mm -hmm. how your body feels, yeah, that absolutely can be a spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that like so much of what we do especially like within BDSM, but, but in, in general in sexuality, so much of what we do is, is really about sensation, um, which is beautiful. And like, I'm, I am not, I am not much of a bottom. I am pretty much exclusively a dom, um, but I love sensation. Um, whatever those sensations may be. I used to say that I'm a sensation junkie and that's why I'll do things that don't look as toppy sometimes, not within my professional, <laughs> um, you know, repertoire, but whatever. Uh, and, and the same can also be true from the top side. You know, if you're really in your body and in your moment, then you don't miss the little things with your partner. You can really really see how your partner or how your client um is reacting to what's going on and experiencing what's going on and if they're really 
you know, if they've had time to center and are really in their their body and in their own sort of uh, spirit, then they also, right, like everything is just heightened. And I think that's really beautiful because sometimes you just want to lose yourself. Sometimes you just want to let go and, and just be like straight up sensation and and spirit and energy. And that's, I, I think that's just, it's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really common request for clients. You know, I want to turn off my mm-hmm. brain. I want to, yeah. you know, I just want somebody else to have control or, or mm-hmm. lead the way or make all the decisions. Yeah. So like that, that acts that that's common for them to want to access surrender in some way. Um, yeah. Surrender. That's a really good word. Um, that, that can help them get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily a matter of doing all the really intense, really edgy things. Sometimes it's just a matter of, like you said, you know, just take a deep breath, you know, that ground yourself, find yourself really in this moment. And, and then, you know, it could be something kind of light and easy, but if they can turn the brain off, if that surrender moment can happen, I think to me, those are real are moments of spirituality. And again, I don't like the words like sex magic or sacred sex, but um, because they have implications that like just aren't part of my um, my practice. But but I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. That's great. And and we should all have that moment of spiritual existence i don't want to say enlightenment that's a little much but you know <laughs> it's a little heavy <laughs> it's a little heavy heavy-handed yeah. I'm, not, I'm not selling enlightenment here i'm yeah, just yeah. selling just selling a moment of surrender and and uh um sensation that's that's what i that's what i got for you <laughs> yeah and i i think that's like it's only going to ha- enhance your experience to just kind mm. of um just kind of a tune like that um yeah because like yeah we can do a scene that's just physical sensations and that's lovely but like this is another layer you know if you can add the spiritual or the emotional um or the mental you know Mm -hmm. to all of this um then then it's just gonna it's only gonna enhance your experience like I do lots of, I do lots of sessions that are just physical too. people, you know, some people are just very like their physical sensations forward, their activities forward. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and I always kind of say, it's like, whatever the client brings, you know, whatever they want to do with this session, whatever, you know, if it's a intention or, you know, a scene goal or whatever, Mm -hmm. or, or whatever reason they're bringing, you know, with them, that's gonna, um, directly inform what they take out of it right absolutely yeah yeah so like uh, for me my favorite sessions are when somebody has like that really clear scene intention like that and then Mm -hmm. um then we can be engaging on a couple levels here and it's going to feel that much more impactful for them usually usually you know yeah yeah and i think that like when you can sort of when you can bring all those things together and, and have that, um, that connection, that intimacy. That's a word that I, I love that word. I, I, I say that like, that's one of the biggest things that I am providing is, is intimacy. Um, whatever that looks like for you, um, 
because I think that it's, I mean, for one thing, it's something that so many people really need. Um, but it's also one of the best parts about what we do, right? Is that like creating the safe spaces to do these things. And sometimes, sometimes you just want to do a really surface level thing. This person's just looking for, again, what you said, like just sensation forward or just, you know. To get off. Just, yeah, right. And that's, that is entirely acceptable and fine and I'm happy yeah. to do those things um but when you can build something with someone that is based on you know that kind of connection that intimacy um then you can explore so much more and it provides space to um to move beyond simply just physical simply just the physical right like and i and i love that i love being able to develop with people over time and um you know go from oh we're just sort of strangers to like i know this person i can read this person inside and out i know exactly what they're vibing on because i'm vibing on it too and we're safe together to explore things that they maybe never would have thought of before, you know? Yeah, I really like how you're saying that with intimacy, because we talked about before, it's like, you know, some people approach this with being sexual or non-sexual, or sometimes mm -hmm. you just, you know, you sometimes just share space and you just talk and you, you know, it can look like so many different ways, right? So, but it, yeah. it all kind of has this baseline of, intimacy right like whether mm -hmm. it's like emotional intimacy they're being vulnerable they feel like they're safe to be able to you know take that emotional yeah. risk or like like I think that's pretty standard that they're all there for mostly there for intimacy yeah. uh, because that's that is something like and I I think that's why what we do is looked at as so kind of like mystical magical is because like mm -hmm it's something so simple, right? It's like giving undivided attention to this person, have the person yep. be centered, you know, in this yep. moment, uh, providing a safe space, having intentional time together. And again, however mm -hmm. that looks, but it's like, that's something unfortunately that a lot of people don't have access to, we don't get it. We don't get, yeah. you know, even if we do yeah. have partners, and we do have, you know, whoever in our lives that we come across like that those that stuff of being really present and slowing down and yep. focusing on each other that stuff yep. is really really rare so it's seen as really yep. valuable and like when it happens it can feel like it's like transcendental you know what I mean mm -hmm. like to go overly dramatic with it it's like it can be mind-blowing yeah. it can be life-changing yeah. and it, it's just it's funny because man, it's such a low bar, the intimacy thing, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's really just being oh, there sure. with the person, like, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a shame that we don't experience real intimacy, like, in a lot of places in our lives, just in general. I remember the first time, um, it was really early on when I started doing full service, um, the first time that a client, um, burst into sobbing tears oh gosh <laughs> in the, yeah the been middle there. of a session yeah yeah, yeah. and um it, it was not something I had experienced before that and we hadn't we were just sort of like he didn't really want to 
get too naked. He just wanted to sort of be be close and um, like physically intimate without the sex. Um, and and that was a real that was a real eye opening moment for me, right? Like I know my own um, my own experiences with intimacy or or perhaps not enough intimacy and how I feel about these things. Um, and it's you don't really realize how how common it is for other people to also have feel like they're not getting even if they're like you know this person was married even if they have partners whatever um and it's not only common it's it's like it's universal and it might be to a point where like maybe it's becoming harmful i don't know i don't want to like i don't i don't want to get too into that um uh trail but um but yeah i was just like wow okay just can you explain briefly what you mean by that before moving on yeah i think that like you know there are lots of reasons why um why we all struggle with emotional health why we all have sort of universal feelings of disconnectedness and grumpy we're all kind of grumpy and angry and frustrated and <laughs> we're all baseline um, grumpy <laughs> yeah right like it's just grumpy it's basically default um and and i think that like a lack of intimacy um is part of that and especially in the the post-plague reality um you know we're all just kind of starved for a little bit of oxytocin yeah. and a pat on the head and and that's <laughs> uh expressing itself in in ways that are you know looking violent and uh, like incel um, behavior abusive. yeah and, okay, yeah okay. and all yeah. kinds of yeah yeah yes and like the um the entitlement of it mm-hmm. like i have a right yeah. to this um or i'm owed this yeah even like i'm i i use the ttc a lot and um, I mean, it's sort of like been spoken about a lot in the news that like it's, it's sort of in, just in general become more dangerous. But it's it's also just like like I am six feet tall. Half of my head is shaved. I have lots of tattoos. Again, I have that like pretty serious resting bitch face. <laughs> and and like like little old ladies will try and like body check me out of the way. Oh my god! To get. To get <laughs> on the subway before me and i'm just like did, what did you think that i mean i'm not going you, no you knew i was i'm not going to be like physically i'm not going to get into a physical altercation with a, a little old lady so fair enough i will just stand you here want, and you want i guess yeah <laughs> yes. no what am i gonna do <laughs> yeah but but yeah no it, it just like in general people are just sort of like mine is more important than yours me i am more important i think yeah it's it's yeah it's not again not to go too in on this because we're almost finished Mm -hmm. but but yeah it's almost like related to the thing of like now we have this kind of fear that's developed of connecting right because we've spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time where we built up some walls and got really comfy there so it's like now going out it's like yeah people are having trouble connecting and being kind and yeah you know uh, that thing with other people it's kind of yeah it's developed this this thing of every man for themselves themselves. Um, yeah and 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 i get like i know that um i know that when 
sort of restrictions started to be uh, relaxed and, and we're sort of trying to move to, again, not necessarily post COVID, but to the reality that we have now where we pretend like we don't have yeah. an issue with COVID. Um, uh, that was really hard and scary for me. Like, how do I, I don't know how to do this. Cause I also uh, left town for, for most of uh, COVID. Um, and so being back in Toronto is like, kind of fucked. Yeah. Like how do <laughs> I don't know. I, I started going out to events and stuff and, um, and it's, I, I just, I have a, a friend of mine, um, actually this friend who introduced us when we were met at that party. Um, I you have to, you my... have to tell me, I'm so embarrassed. You have to tell me who this is <laughs> after, uh, when we're off air. I will. I will. We're off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I call him my emotional support friend because, um, he, he was like going to events and, in, and including me, um, so that I could feel more comfortable interacting with big groups of people like this because it was scary. I was, I was afraid. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate the hell out of that because, um, because now I've started building connections that you haven't, like I haven't had in such a long time. Um, and I'm starting to move past the fear, but it's scary. It's really scary because yeah. once you've gotten used to living within your own little protective walls, um, the outside world is is full of terrifying possibilities. I get it. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Um Josie, we have ta- mm. we talked a lot about like most of the stuff we wanted to talk about. I'm That's proud of amazing. us. I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud of us too. Yeah. Go <laughs> we, we did great. We did it. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for um for what you brought to this pod, like really good uh, conversations here. And I hope, uh, I know people found this super stimulating and it's got, got people thinking. I love that. I hope so. I love that that too. Before you go, can we, uh, can we ask where we can follow you on the socials? Yeah. So I am on the Twitter because I will never not call it that. It's just like the Sky Dome and the Air Canada Center. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's Twitter at Josie Ramon, uh, twitter.com slash Josie Ramon or at Josie Ramon. Um, I am also on um, Blue Sky, which everybody, let's move over to Blue Sky so that we can have a space and. Um, and rebuild what we have lost on the scary, racist, anti-Semitic Twitter. Um, exactly. <laughs> so Blue Sky is at josieramone.bsky.social. Um, I am also, I have, my website is josieramone.com. And I'm sometimes on Night Flirt. Sometimes. I don't do it very much any these days. I, I keep meaning to... Um, get back into it and I have not but you can find me there and I will get the proper just so it's nightflirt.com slash Josie Ramon okay yeah those are the places I can be found online fabulous um for me the places i can be found online at the lady pim one on twitter that's definitely where i'm the most active but you can follow me on instagram also at the bedpost podcast is the pod or at the lady pim um i'm on tiktok for some reason at the lady pim uh 
I have a Patreon for the podcast, lots of great bonus content, solo episodes, pics, vids, uh, erot- audio erotica, all the good stuff. Uh, that's patreon.com slash the bed post show. Um, I have a lot of fun putting together the Patreon. So, you know, you should go check it out. And then last but not least, everybody, I like to thank the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast. Her name is Steph Copeland. You can find out more about her work, stephcopelandmusic.com. Um, Josie Ramon, this has been so fabulous. One last thank you to you. Thank you, thank you to you. Great. Thank you to both of us and everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're great too. And we'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bedpost podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!